0: For more on your Pelicans, go to iTunes, search The Bird Calls, and subscribe today.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Bird Calls. He is Ali Cosell, and I am David Grubb, and uh, we're glad to talk to you about some New Orleans Pelicans basketball. Ali... Uh, you know, the, we are with the season is well within the rear view. Now we are in deep in the NBA playoffs, but you know, the Pelicans work still continues. And, and part of what we saw not only from David Griffin's conversations about what he wanted to do this off season, um, in evaluating this team top to bottom. But as we look across the landscape of the NBA, a lot of teams are reevaluating themselves internally and making decisions. I mean, we look at what Minnesota, what, excuse me, what uh, Milwaukee did in, in releasing, Um, their coach, Mike Bunoz, who, you know, I think you and I agree when they won the championship, we thought that that was he was going to get fired if they hadn't won the championship that year. And for him to have survived, we saw this with him in Atlanta, the 60 win seasons, early exits, they moved on, Bud was in that position prior to the championship, a lot of early losses in the playoffs for a team that had won 60 plus games. And I think teams, and and even what you saw in Toronto, letting go of Nick Nurse, a very accomplished coach with a championship, with four of the five last last five champions have changed coaches. And I think what we're seeing is teams are looking at, ultimately, can their coach utilize their players well? Because the skill sets are so disparate between starters and reserves in the NBA now. We're seeing this huge drop-off from every team. From starters to reserves, particularly in the playoffs, how you manage those and how creative you are is becoming very important as a head coach. It's not just about motivating. It's not just about uh, relationships. How you utilize that talent is becoming much more of a skill that owners are looking for.
0: Absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up those two coaches in particular because they couldn't have been any more different, I think, for the reasons they got fired. Yes, they both had underwhelming seasons, right? The the franchises. But according to, you know, you, you hear the rumors, Nick Nurse was let go because he had basically lost the team, right? He's lost the year, pretty much the entire locker room. And I had heard this, you know, even before the start of the season that he was likely, you know, headed out the door. And I think that just solidified. As to where with Milwaukee, that was more of a wait and see approach. And let's see how far we get. And that goes to your point adjustments mike budenholzer boy i don't want to pick on any single coach for being determining such a determining factor in whether your team wins or loses a series he had a big hand in why the bucks didn't advance let alone just you know lose that final game to miami not calling timeouts not making certain adjustments out of bounds you don't even have your biggest tallest center when there's you know less than a second left on the clock to guard the rim. It's stuff like that that is honestly kind of head-scratching. So it's very understandable for me why Milwaukee moved on because you feel like they had hit the ceiling. And sure, great regular seasons, championship under Mike Bootholter's belt. But you know what? It still leaves a bad taste in your mouth when the common fan can see kind of the faults that occurred, right, in that series alone. So that one was easy. As to where with Toronto, that's more of a locker room issue. So when we're going to compare it to the Pelicans, luckily, there's no issues that are that pressing on both ends for Willie Green. For instance, he's never lost that locker room here, And I don't care what people were saying during that 10 and 25 star David, but nobody gave up. Nobody gave up. Nobody stopped listening to him, any of the assistant coaches, things like that. And I know they were trying to still pass along the right messages. And that's for expectations. Willie Green didn't have anything what, Millie, what, what Budenholzer basically had to face, right? To where it was really championship or bust, and that's especially true when you don't have your stars. And that's one of the reasons why I brought up my article, and we're going to touch on it in, in terms of the three point shooting. I feel like you have to have an identity, right? Every team has to play to your strengths. That's that's just a given. And I feel like the Pelicans especially did not do that when they didn't have Zion, and especially when Brandon Ingram was off the floor, right? I don't want BI to stop shooting mid-range shots. Same thing with C.J. McCullough. But it's when you shoot those shots. More importantly, it's what the rest of the roster does. And we're going to get to all that.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, as we look at the postseason in particular, I think it's been an interesting, as we look at the coaches, the ones that I think we would view as the most rigid, Tom Thibodeau. They're very rigid. The Knicks not looking great in the second-round series against the Miami team that's had to adjust to the loss of Tyler Hero that's had to adjust to certain players not being in the rotation has utilized Kevin love in a different way since he came down to that team. And I think that's what you look at the keys to Miami's postseason success for a team that probably shouldn't be where it is. That's probably going to make a trip, another trip to the Eastern conference finals with a roster that you would say is not one of the two best in the East. I don't not think anybody not. would say that. No way. And then You take a look at, at what we just saw this afternoon with Philadelphia and Boston. Same thing, Doc Rivers, a guy who has two finals appearances but hasn't made one in a decade. You know, essentially, mm-hmm. we're looking at now. It's, it's been a decade, since that last trip with Boston. Mm-hmm. Couldn't get there with the with the Clippers. Never made a conference finals with the Clippers. Hasn't made a conference finals with the 76ers. And now they're down. You know, in a situation – I mean, now they're even – they've even had a series of two games apiece. But I would still say Boston probably is the favorite in that series. To close that one out. And then when you look at the West with Denver and, and, and um, the Suns, Monty Williams, the, the problem that people have with Monty at times still is his lack of ability to adjust to adverse circumstances. Not these relationships with players, but it's mentally, where is he making his adjustments? And I think Denver, what we've seen with Mike Malone this year is that he has figured some things out in the postseason that Denver really didn't do well during the regular season in managing those non Jokic minutes. It's been a, a little bit more of a struggle against Phoenix. But I mean, that's a better team, but they've done they've looked much better than we've seen in previous post seasons out of the Nuggets. I think as we, you know, for Willie Green now in this situation, I think the biggest question we've had over the last two seasons is could the Pelicans get past him reaching them and get to an identity and they still don't have one on either ends of the floor really.
0: Right. I know know that you could point to defense, especially this season, that the Pelicans made strides in, and they didn't stop people, per se. They weren't always good on the ball to where their strengths are. For instance, like when you've got Herb Jones, Dyson, Jose, and all this, you still seem like they could have done better, right? Right. Because we knew, right, they're not going to defend the paint. You've got Jonas down there. You've got Billy as his backup. And let's face it, Jackson never, ever took that step forward to where Willie Green could have relied on him to maybe, we've got a rim to now. No, he never reached even that step. So on Willie's hand, his hands were tied. His roster was limited yet again, right? Second season in a row. But I agree to your point, especially offensively, David. And look, when you've got Zion Williamson, and I feel like to me, and this is something that I started echoing you know, a couple of weeks after he sustained that hamstring injury against Philly to where I felt like the team fell into a low, particularly because they became so reliant on him, right? Creating, scoring, you name it, to where when he went out, they kind of didn't know what they were going to do, right? I know CJ McCollum tried to carry the team, but by then I think he had pretty much had his finger injury. His hot streak that he had running for about two months came to a halt. And then you didn't have Brandon Ingram for over two months. So suddenly, what are you doing? And And the biggest problem for me is not that they figured it out right away when Zion went down. It took them two, two and a half months to get back on track offensively. And we were yelling for certain things to happen, and I feel like they didn't happen. And I think that's why, and I'm glad that the news came out this past week, that the Pelicans want to find another coach on Willie's bench that has head coaching experience. And I think more so it's for that offensive side, right? And I've got an article coming out tomorrow that touches on this to where I looked at clutch time performances. And I'll just give you a brief synopsis. The Pelicans this year, 17 and 20, when the game was within five points in the last five minutes of ball games, That's fine. That's kind of parallel to what they did a year ago at 14 and 18. But here's the difference, David. They were outstanding in clutch minutes this year. They were a plus 10 net rating. That means that you're pretty much been dominant in your play on the court and yet to have a losing record, that's unheard of. And then when I look through history, NBA stats goes back to 1996. Only one other team that had a plus 10 or better net rating finished oh. with with a losing record. That that stands out. And to me, I'm sorry, you have to point that at the coaching, right? So I'm glad that the Pels, like I said, we kind of felt that on the exit interviews. They were not happy with the way the season ended. They are not happy with standing pat. They know where they need to address the issues. We're going to get to the three-point shooting, but also the coaching. And I feel like that was a big part in why they failed in clutch time minutes. Look, this team... David, if you just win four more of those clutch minutes, guess what? They're the fourth seed, yeah. They're the Phoenix <laughs> Suns, right? So to me, I know you had all these injuries and whatever else may have gone wrong this year. If you can just close out these minutes better to where you have the talent, right? That plus 10 net rating shows me you have the talent, but you didn't finish enough close games because for whatever reason, and I'm going to get to that in the article, it's going to come out tomorrow. You have to do a better job.
1: At that part, you know, we talked about this too, The the preponderance of those close clutch games and we talked about this going all the way back to what 2017 2017 18 season the right. They Rondo, were right they led the league in that were top three in clutch wins and in winning percentage and we talked about it wasn't just the winning percent it was the high volume of games good teams don't play half their games that come down to the last five minutes and that's part of the maturation process we expect that to go down as the team gets better but it's that managing of that of getting to that and a lot of that is pelicans blowing leads in those third quarter situations and early in the fourth quarter which we saw a lot giving up those leads yeah, goes to the bench you know those minutes those types of things them giving up those early runs at the top of quarters and making games that they probably should have walked away with into really tight ball games and that has been like we, there are three elements there's coaching there's skill set and there's the players themselves And we can only deal with the players themselves so much. You can't replace them at everybody. So you have to look at the strategic things that your team is doing and the skill sets that you're giving them or that they're bringing to the table. And I think that there's just been this consistent mismatch of the skill sets and and who Willie Green is willing to trust. And sometimes the guy you're willing to trust does not have the skill set that you need at that moment. And we'll see sets, and the shooting goes into that directly of, Sets with not enough shooters or not enough guys who can move or not enough guys who can think offensively. And it really bogs this team down.
0: Here's my thing. He tried to go small almost every single minute of clutch minutes this season, right? When Larry was healthy, he was playing. When he wasn't, he was trying to turn to either Jackson or combination of Dyson Daniels, Herb Jones, right? Manning the center, you name it. It wasn't successful. And the reason for it was because what you just nailed, they didn't play to their strengths. When Larry was healthy, I feel like this team did, right? Earlier in the season, you had B.I., you had C.J. largely out there. You had Zion, too, let's face it. So you had a preponderance of options when you're the coach on what to do. And then once those options started slipping, I didn't see adjustments to it. And, look, you can point to, okay, the Lakers lost early in the season, hurt, right? Dyson Dan's missing a couple free throws. Matt Ryan making the corner three, but that's when the Pels were healthy. Same thing with the Utah. Jazz, they had a couple of last minute losses to them that really bothered me, you know, and then you you can go up and down the rest of the schedule. There was a loss in Houston, right? Um, Jabari Smith making the three. You had a close loss in Miami that I think you should have walked away with. There was one in Orlando. And there was probably at least another handful, right? And, and not even that. It's the losses to where you gave up in the fourth quarter, substantial leads. I remember being up in Cleveland. Pels had an eight point lead against the Cavaliers in Cleveland. They had a similar lead against the Warriors in in the second half where it was kind of a must-win game. And you can point to so many of these, David. And like I said, I didn't see to where there was an adjustment made by the coaching staff to what you have available to either stem the tide or play to your strengths to where it's given you a chance, right? So I know that the Pelicans roster woes, they need to be approved upon. Look, Larry Nance is great, but when he's hurting – You can't count on them, right? So smartly, I know that Willie Green didn't turn to him like against the Minnesota Timberwolves, right? That final game. But what what are you going to go to instead, right? And I feel like there was just nothing there, whether it's from a roster standpoint, you're not comfortable with or to, okay, well, I've got to do something. So I didn't see anything there or like I said, another matchups. So I know I'm with you. If you're a good team, you want to avoid clutch time minutes. You want to avoid these, you know, let's face it, it's a 50-50 chance at a win or a loss. But sometimes you're just going to be stuck in those games. So your best bet then is you got to win those games. And I just don't feel like I saw enough from the Pelicans to where it felt more like desperation. So, yeah, bless C.J. McCollum's heart for trying on, on, on the bad shooting finger, too. And I know fans got on him, but at least he's hoisting up shots, right, whether they were good or bad. Brandon Ingram trying to do what he did. But you have to have more than that. You can't rely upon one guy. You need to have something that you can turn to as a team. That works. I can't honestly recall one sign went out of the lineup and especially when Larry wasn't available, healthy to what this team could do, that they could do well and and trust it. Right. I mean, you knew what you got the individual pieces, you know, where Bi is going to get a scoring from David, CJ, Trey, how to find his shots, did a much better job. Herb started shooting the ball better. But like I said, those clutch time minutes, David. I just got to shake my head. They should have done better.
1: One of the things that has bothered me, and and I'm sure we'll talk about this after the article comes out because we're going to do another one of these later this week, but the lack of utilization of Jonas in those final five minutes.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Um,
1: You know. Pelicans were the
0: worst rebounding team in clutch minutes, right? You could have at least tried to stem that by playing him.
1: He didn't play, right? And offensively, I think you see that when you take him off the floor offensively down the stretch, and we see the Pelicans go to this over-reliance on one guy. It's, it's going to be either B.I. takes all the shots down the stretch or if you don't, if you're getting a shot. I mean, we saw in Let's let's take the Oklahoma City playing game for an example. That's all B.I. down the stretch. And that's not good. And that's because that's coaching is creating a hero ball situation. You know, you should never be in a situation where your other players on the court get one shot in the fourth quarter. That, that just shouldn't happen. Not your starters. They're there because they're supposed to be able to perform. And I think, you know, I think when we talk about getting a new, another coach on the sideline, and that's something that we talked about before the season began, mm-hmm. that Willie needed to have a veteran coaching person on around him that he could trust. And I think people assume that that means that they have to take that head seat, that, I mean, that lead assistant seat. No, that doesn't necessarily mean it. You can be a former head coach and be a head strategist but not be the associate head coach. And even if you do, you, add, you can add as many associate head coaches as you want. Your payroll doesn't say you can only have two or three or whatever. If they want to add four, five, six, I don't care if it helps Willie Green feel more comfortable, gives him better understanding of what he needs to do and allows this team to be better. I think people need to, you know, not worry about the hierarchy behind Willie. It's about the, what can he draw from those coaches and get results. Right.
0: And the reason you want to look at something like, you know, three point shooting is the fact that when you've got an ultimate weapon in a certain area, like Zion in the paint, B.I. or C.J. from the mid range. okay, you can kind of know where you're going to rely on when the offense bogs down or you need a basket. But when they're not on the court and that's what I did with that article I posted last week, I took a look at that. The Pelicans never shot. An abundance of threes all season, regardless of who was on the floor. But here's my thing. When when B.I. and Zion were out there, okay, they shot under 30, basically, per, was it 100 possessions, 33s a game when they're out there. Okay, that's kind of understandable. But for me, it's when they're off the court and that number only goes up one or two shots. I don't understand what you're doing because you can see it. Najee's not going to overpower people going to the rim. Josh Richardson, you can't rely on him to make mid-range shots. And whoever else is out there. You're not playing anybody's strength. So for me, you look at these other teams, right? So for instance, when OKC is without Shea, guess what? They shot about six more threes per hundred possessions, right? And that and that and that goes up and down with all the great players that are drivers, right, to the rim, like Jalen Brown, Jimmy Butler, De'Aaron Fox, John Moran. When those guys are on the bench, their teams shoot a lot more threes. So you kind of know what they're doing, right? And that, and that's what I mean by identity. You've got to play to the offensive strength, and in this league today. It's the three-point shot, And then if you're an athletic team, you crash the boards, or what, whatever you have as a makeup, right? You're going to play to that strength, but overall, you're only going to get shots at the rim, and, and rely on that is if, if you have these athletic beasts like a Zion or a mid-range beast like B.I. But if you don't have them, you've got to get behind that three-point line. And I'll tell you what, when you watch a team like Boston all season, and you watch a team like New Orleans, it leaves you wondering why New Orleans just, you know honestly, didn't utilize the three-point shot goal. I know that they don't have an abundance of threes. That's what some people say. They don't have an abundance of shooters. That's great. But I'll tell you what, you look at Boston. I I know that Al Al Horford can make them. But you look up and down their roster, they basically, if they were open, whoever was out there, they shot it. So whether it's, you, you know, Grant Williams, and I know he had a decent season for the most part. But almost anybody, they're shooting that open three. The Pelicans didn't do it, David. And and that to me is, I feel like that's the next step for just this offense alone. And that to me points to the coaching. I feel like they didn't take that step at all this season over an 82-game schedule, especially when they had the key guys out. I hope that changes this summer.
1: Yeah, the two things that you notice the most when you just look at the Pelicans offensively all the time is, A, the shots are always above the break, which means that that's not the result of passing. If your shots are coming from the exact same spot all the time, that means that's where you are. That's not where the ball went. And I think that you you see that the 0.5 has not taken hold yet. Whatever that is going to be, the ball doesn't move like that. The Pelicans are not a crisp, quick passing team. They are occasionally an early shot team, but they are not consistently a quick passing team. CJ is a ball stopper. B.I. can be a ball stopper. Um, Najee is a ball stopper. You know, you're talking about guys who when they get the basketball, it's not, You know, going to to go out of their hands quickly. And I think that that hampers the Pelicans. And then on top of that, how long did it take the recognition of knowing that Herb Jones was not supposed to be the guy standing in that corner on the front side? It took so long for the season. He started making some of those shots down the stretch, but they were leaving him in that spot, and he was the only guy living in that area. You weren't getting the looks from guys who should have been in those spots or should be moving into those spots, including Brandon Ingram, who is rarely the beneficiary of a pass into a three. His threes come off him dribbling 90% of the time. Brandon
0: doesn't shoot enough threes, David. Let's no. be honest. I mean, he shot, what was it, close to 40% like he did his first two seasons in New Orleans where people were saying, oh, look at this. But guess what? Those first two years, he was averaging a little over six attempts a game. Didn't come close to that this year.
1: He's done so like not a only, third of those on a lot of nights.
0: Yeah. So not e- not even though... BI is not getting his attempts up, then you start looking around where else they can be better. All right. So, for instance, catching shoots. I thought the Pelicans did a reasonably well, you know, good job all season. But then you look up, say, pull up threes, Pelicans dead last corner threes. And you touched on this at the start of the year, I remember in an article. Pelicans did awful job of that last season. And that carried over this year. They just didn't seek those shots. And so that's what I mean by when I wrote archaic. Yeah, if you're not trying to live from the corner three, if you're not trying to shoot pull-up threes when you've got guys that can make them, like in Trey Murphy and McCollum. I don't know what you're doing when you're trying to settle for twos or when you're trying to move the ball around. Here's the other thing people need to understand. You 0.5 offense, that's great, but you're not always going to get that first or second look that's going to be open. Okay, great. But here's the thing. When you start passing the ball and passing the ball, guess what? The chances of a turnover go up. That's why certain coaches like Alvin Gentry always wanted you to really hoist up your first shot when you were even kind of open because they wanted to avoid that turnover. So Mm -hmm. I feel like the Pelicans didn't even do that this season. So I know it sounds like we're being harsh, but, you know, today's NBA, I feel like all 30 teams, David, they're capable of winning any night. Ten years ago, you had a serious amount of tears to where you could really identify teams that probably shouldn't win almost every night, teams that kind of were just, you know, mediocre to bad. It wasn't really the case this year, right? And you saw that within the standings. 13 teams in the Western Conference for the large part were in it, right, until the last month of the season and making the play-in. You've just got to execute better, and that's what it comes down to. You've got to take advantage of the corner three. You've got to shoot the pull-ups when your key guys are, you know, pretty good from that spot, so you got to get them those shots. And then for a guy like Brandon Ingram, you've got to get it in his head to where a a, a three is better than a long two, because when you look at the long two shooting percentage of CJ and and, uh, B.I., You don't want those guys shooting those shots. So, yeah, there's a lot of little tweaks that can be done with this Pelicans offense, whether they have Zion or not, that I feel like can really vault them up, right, improve to where it changes or it influences, honestly, their win-loss record.
1: Yeah, I think one of those things, too, is empowering the players a little bit. You know, we saw all this this season, we saw the players, Trey Murphy in particular, you know, has talked about not getting sets and plays, particularly for him. Yeah, I think particularly early in the shot clock, and this is something that you and I have harped on a lot, is the priority in in the way that the Pelicans run the offense. They don't look for the secondary guys to empower them offensively. They are utterly dependent on that last half of the shot clock or transition. If your bench players are only getting shots at the end of the shot clock and in transition, I think that that hurts you when you get to the playoffs because they are – the reason I think the Warriors consistently get that from their bench and those types of things, Harry Payton has played minutes where he's gotten to be the lead scorer. You know, those guys Andrew Wiggins has had minutes where he's been the lead scorer. The Pelicans have to do that with Trey Murphy. Trey Murphy should be a guy who scores twenty points at least once out of every four games going in going forward in his career.
0: I want him to get the shot attempts, and you know, I was decrying this back what was I think in January, or in an article to where I looked at you know. Trey Murphy, when he shoots this amount of threes, guess what? The Pelicans win whether he makes them or not. Yep. And get this. The season ended. Pelicans went 20-5 and when he attempted eight or more threes. So, David, how many wins did the Pelicans have this year? 42. So almost half of them, they won when Trey attempted eight or more threes. When he just gets
1: double-digit shot attempts at all. Yeah, that should always happen, right?
0: Right. When you have such an efficient – player as Trey it's not just the threes that make him efficient right he's a great finisher he can get to the free throw line and he makes his free throws there was only I want to say four or five you got to check my article but four or five other players that finished with a higher true shooting percentage that played on the perimeter I remember a couple of them right it was Kevin Durant Steph Curry I want to say Austin Reeves and Luke Kennard were in there too but when you've got a guy that's that much money you've got to find him so yeah it was painful to hear what was it I want to say even as late as March, we're hearing, okay, he's just got to find his offense within the offense. I'm glad that started to change, you know, sometime in March, and definitely the way the season ended in April, where you know the shots were were ending up in his hands, right? He was getting the ball, shooting him up, because you know, I want to say he averaged about 20 points per game from March one on. But that only happened because after all those months of where we're left scratching our heads, why's Trey got six shot attempts this night, eight shot attempts, right? that's never going, that's not allowed to happen moving forward.
1: No. And, uh, you know, whether they add, you know, it's, it's never as simple as we need to add more shooters. Where are those guys hanging out? Yeah. It's about no, how you maximize what you do have. And if Trey's not getting eight, three pointers a game, generally, like think about that. That's two, to a quarter. That's two a quarter. That's
0: all you're talking about. And you're going to get some in transition. Right, you're going to get some off of offensive rebounds, right? So for, really, it's just you're trying to find four or five and catch and shoots, right? That's not
1: hard, and you just don't want them to have to be five feet behind the line every time, you know. That they shouldn't all have to be from there. You need it, it's about setting him up. Or, I think it's to me, it's so easy. If Zion, Bi, and Trey are all healthy together, Zion is the easiest to generate points for. We know this. Bi is very easy to create his own shot. Trey's the guy you're always going to, at the right now at this stage, while he's still not a ball handler, you've got to get him going, confidence-wise, shot-wise, and for the defense, for the fact that you need the defense to react to Trey, because they did it several times this year where they didn't react to Trey because they knew, they knew he wasn't going to get shots, and as long as the opponent can scout you that way and, and know what you are not going to do that way, I think that that hampers the Pelicans more than anything, is there's so many things that you know that they won't do offensively currently
0: yeah I'm so glad you brought up Zion I'll tell you what BI Murphy and Williamson they spent a grand total of 37 minutes together on the court across eight games three quarters (laughs) quarters yeah right and the offensive rating David 140.8 and it wasn't because Trey went off he only had a handful of shots and I think he missed more than he made he wasn't shooting well at that stretch Exactly. it start of the year. But here's a point, 140.8 offensive rating. The best team this year, Sacramento Kings, what? 118 offensive rating, something along those lines. So it just goes to show you when you have three weapons like that and the Pelicans have them, what they were able to do. So yes, having everybody healthy, that's going to solve a lot of issues. But to further to our point, it's when not everybody's out there, right? So when somebody's resting, make sure you keep going to your strengths. And I feel like the Pelicans just didn't do a good enough job. And I'm glad you mentioned Jonas. Because, David, before we got to the last month and a half or when B.I. was spectacular, right, the last three or four weeks of the season, Jonas could have really have helped this team, especially during that 10-game losing streak, to maybe win a couple of those games. And he wasn't getting the miss. He wasn't getting the touches. And all of a sudden, it's like a a switch was flipped, right? Because all of a sudden, CJ's talking about it. B.I., oh, we got to get him more touches. Willie Green. But why did it take that many weeks of, you know, Bad basketball for that to happen, right? Stuff like that can't happen anymore. You have to now understand where your strengths are and you go, okay, if plan A is not available, you got to plan B, plan C, right? And it just has to be expressed through the entire roster. I know I want the, I want anybody listening to this podcast to understand that Pelicans coaching staff I know did a great job of trying to send the right message, but it wasn't received, right? So for instance, everybody harping on CJ McCollum. Why was he dribbling out the shot clock? Or – Why was he allowed to basically, you know, handle the ball for half a possession and result in a turnover or something like that? They didn't want that. The coaching staff tried to get him more off the ball. They wanted him to be more in the receiving. Okay, you're going to catch the ball and then you're going to get a catch and shoot or you're going to be the secondary playmaker. So I know the messages were correct. It just wasn't executed. Right. So I don't know why the messaging failed, but I'll tell you what. That's the difference between the Pelicans not making the playoffs and being a four or five seed. I guarantee you, had that message been heeded as soon as Zion went down, I guarantee you this team would have ended up fourth or fifth in the Western Conference.
1: Do you think, as far before we wrap on the shooting, um, the players individually, I think that there are four, uh, you know, a, above average shooters. B.I. is an above average shooter from deep. Trey, obviously, above average shooter from deep. C.J. regularly, when he's healthy, above average shooter from deep. And you've gotten consistent shooting for the most part from um from Herb over the you know, he was a 34% rookie year, and yeah, but the down last the six he was outstanding, and then the last yeah, the last six weeks of the season, he was very, very good again. And I think Herb, as he develops, he's never gonna be a marksman, but he can be a consistent above-average three and D type shooter. If he yeah, got yeah, four, yeah, you don't need to
0: have a half a roster's worth that shoots forty percent from three. I don't well, buy. They can it be a second. decent catch
1: and shoot guy, you know, in those opportunities gets free looks. Tyra has shown that he can knock down the three on occasion, you know. So I think that they're guys. Jonas can knock down the three for his position. Again, you're not asking him to shoot five a game, but if you ask if he shoots two or three, I'm good with that. With Jonas taking a couple every night. So and and, and I mean, I think one of the underutilized has been Larry who was a consistent corner three-point shooter his last couple of seasons in Cleveland, hasn't gotten that opportunity with the Pelicans.
0: Right. And the Pelicans, like I said earlier, they didn't shoot nearly enough corner threes in in this past season. That's got to change. I think Jonas needs to be more utilized, honestly, like Al Horford. I think when he catches the ball cleanly and shoots it, I think he probably makes about 40% of those, right? So that's a shot you'll take every time. But there was, you know, stretches of weeks where he didn't even attempt the three, and Because he wasn't getting the ball up high. Yeah, and, and right. And I, th- I feel like that's just a problem with the offense. I feel like to where he's setting screens, say, around the free throw line are a little bit extended. That's not good enough. Look at what Al Horford does. Put Jonas in the same situations, right? Let him have the opportunity to catch and shoot. So when his player, like, like Brooke Lopez of the Milwaukee Bucks, remember when Coach Bud said, don't even guard him. We're going to stop Zion. And I, I want to say Jonas made seven threes that game. Do more of that. Right. Jose. I thought Jose had some really good, good months this year to where he looked for his shot. And when it's a catch and shoot, I'll take it. I'll take a Najee catch and shoot. And as you mentioned, I think I think Herb Jones, I think he's going to be taking a step forward next year because the way he finishes last six weeks. And I could just tell there was a different mindset. I could see the confidence. And I saw honestly just a different looking shot that he's going to be a guy that can probably make about 38 to you know, 39, 40 percent of those open catch and shoots. Uh, for you moving forward. So Pelicans are going to have enough weapons. And I know you want to have a few more off the bench. Pels lost a little bit when they lost Devontae Graham. But still, it's not the lack of 40% shooters. It's the lack that they didn't look for the good shots to create those shots. That's the problem I had with.
1: Yep. It, it, to me, it's it's more of a function of how this offense has worked and the shots that it generates. If you're getting the volume, yes, at times they just need to increase the volume. We've seen in the playoffs. Boston had to shoot forty something threes. You know, the, the 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 Warriors have had to shoot fifty threes in games in this in the playoffs. You're gonna have to get that volume up some nights. But yeah, if your strength that night is inside and you're dominant inside, continue to do that. Don't leave right. that. But when you're not shooting threes because you can't get good looks, I think that's that's the thing we're always lamenting about the Pelicans. It's yeah. the fact it's if they were only shooting thirty threes and winning because they were doing the other things. Fine. but they're shooting 33s and not getting the threes that they want
0: and here's the thing you got to point out if you've been watching the playoffs like I know you have guess what you're seeing so much fewer those those you know borderline foul calls right those touch fouls you're not going to be able to get to the free throw line because you know you are throwing your head back or there's somebody scraping your arm uh-uh it's got to be basically there's got to be real contact for you to get to the free throw line so what does that do that basically forces an offense to make sure you look for more of those you know, open shots, those three-point shots, right? You're going to suddenly not be able to get in the paint. And look, I don't want Najee going up against two or three at the rim. He can't, you know, he's not an athletic guy. He's not going to be able to get up over the defense to finish, let alone against two defenders. And the same can be said, say, Jose Dyson, where he's at the stage, even Herb, right? Herb's not the most talented athletic guy. Really, it's just Trey, Zion, and at times, B.I. can throw it down on people. Everybody else on this roster, I mean, I'm not counting Jackson. But I don't
1: think we'd call B.I. a plus athlete.
0: No, no, but he can finish over the rim, right, through contact sometimes, <laughs> as long as he's around contact, not through contact. Yep. That's what you have to seek if you're going to go at the rim. If not, you've got to you've got to hunt for these three-point shots. That's, that's all there is to it.
1: Yeah, uh, it, it's that simple, and we'll see how they do that, and we'll look for it. And I think in particular, I think that's what we'll be looking for when we get to summer league. That's the thing you'll be looking for is what kind of offense are they instituting when we get to summer league? Ali, uh, tell them again the name of the article that they, need, that they need to check out on the shooting and then let them know the new one that's coming out on Monday.
0: Yeah, so posted on, I think it was Wednesday, <laughs> the New Orleans Pelicans must change their archaic approach to the three-point shooting. And I just basically went into, right, throwing off some some stats, but I really looked at, right, where the Pelicans struggled when you didn't have Zion on the court, B.I., and of course you got to shoot the corner ball three you've got to find those shots you got to add some more pull-up shooting because you've got to make the defense to where when they're running it back they don't have to just run back to the paint and then okay oh now we're going to watch the other team get it in their half court set and then we can go from there no the pelicans have to be threats right and that's what the good teams do you're a threat at all times from anywhere and I feel like the pelicans just didn't do a good enough job so that's what the article looked into and then yeah for Monday I'm really taking a good hard look at um, what the Pelicans really need to do just in clutch minutes, right? I feel like this team should have, like I said, been a four or five seed based on how well they played over about 150 minutes of close games. They should have won a lot more than 17 of 37 games.
1: You know, you know, the one thing that doesn't show too is the unnecessary fouls late, sending people to the free throw line. You know, those types of things. You know, are those things that kill you late in games, and that that guys who just weren't able to to execute late, and that's going to be the test for Willie Green this year. There's no, there's no more room for learning. There's only room for execution at this point, and I think that's what David Griffin is is is, is stressing, and I think that's going to be the demand for both the players and management and the coaches going throughout this offseason. That's the word for this season is is production. It's no longer potential. It's no longer Talent, it's no longer, we're rising. You look around this league and you see how quickly windows open and close. You've got to produce right now, right now in a Western conference that's as open as it's ever going to be, as open as it's ever going to be. This is the time because sooner or later, that number one guy is going to come back into your league and dominate again. Right now, the West is open. The NBA is open. Take your shots now because this is your chance. And and I think David Griffin knows that. He knows if they don't get it done now, if they don't get into that upper echelon now, it's not gonna happen in two years.
0: Yeah, and we're seeing the right messaging, right? So the search for another uh, experienced coach on Willie Green's bench. J, or for instance, Trey Murphy, as I mentioned in your article, said on a JJ Reddick prog- podcast talking about how his exit interviews, Willie Green said, okay, they want him to finish, right? Work on his finishing, getting to the rim, shooting threes. But he also mentioned that's what is expected of the entire team that's how they want you know basically us to play that's the most efficient way to play that was music to my ears because it sounds like they know what they need to do and they're sending that messaging like i thought was pretty good for the most part but it didn't get through right to the team they're stressing it more so than ever this summer so hopefully david hopefully we'll see a nice jump up next year yeah let's close on that they need to be better at yeah
1: i i thought and i thought the messaging this offseason And we'll see again, we we will see what happens, but it was uniquely different from the last two years where I felt like the players came in and had their own ideas of what they wanted to do in the off season. But that organizational direction was not as focused because we talked about them going to work out with Drew the first year. Then we talked about them going to work out in this place or that place as them. Now I think you're seeing more or the organization stepping in and saying, no, we have to put a firmer." Not a, a bad, you know strong, forceful hand, but a firmer hand on what these guys do in the offseason, what our expectations are of them, and what we expect from them when they come back. And I think that that's key to a winning organization, and we had not seen that consistently in the past.
0: Yeah, you've got to get the most out of your team on every possession on both sides of the floor. I feel like they tried to do and did a pretty good job defensively, right? You don't have a rim deterrent. And Jonas, they did a pretty good job, right? Top 10 defensive uh, rating. Offense or defensive rating but offensively no they didn't do it
1: nope um again we weren't negative we're just talking about what we see and I think we're looking forward to a lot of the things that we will see in this offseason so please check out thebirdrights.com again we want to thank you for sticking with us while we make these changes and upgrades to the site it's going to be worth it believe us um this entire offseason and continue to uh, check us out on the bird calls on youtube support the website support the, the podcast and uh, we'll be bringing you more throughout the off season. Until the next time, he is Ali Cosell. I am David Grubb, and this has been The Bird Calls. Thank
0: you for listening to The Bird Calls on the Armchair All-American Network. If you like what you're hearing, please
1: take a moment to rate us on iTunes, retweet, share with your friends, and most importantly, subscribe today.